Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and I actually, just before hitting record, got a notification, one of those really helpful Google notifications that are like, look at what you were doing four years ago. And sometimes it's really sweet. And sometimes you're like, please don't take me back there, you know, but this one, this one was a very sweet one. It was when we did the first photo shoot for no one told me. So we're coming up on our fourth birthday already. And I don't remember anything. Truthfully, I don't, I need to be better about like marking the passing of time and anniversaries and all of that. But I mean, I guess that's the upside to Google photos. But hey, I'm so grateful for you, for all of you who um, have believed in the podcast and have believed in chasing after something that you feel really called to. Every year, I flirt with the idea. Some of my closest friends, I know they're so tired of hearing it. I flirt with the idea of maybe I need to just stop. But then inevitably, and this is God's sweet timing, someone reaches out and is like, hey, this is exactly what I needed. And sometimes it's an old episode. Sometimes it's a newer one. But it is such a kindness to hear from you. So if ever you are listening and something really just turns your perspective or makes you feel seen and understood or any of those things, I would love it if you would just shoot a message over to at NOTM podcast on Instagram or Callie at no one told me podcast.com. Um, it makes my day to hear from you truly every single one. And I try to respond to every single one because I get very excited to hear from you because otherwise, you know, I'm just sitting here by myself talking into a microphone. So who knows? But this episode today, I was not sitting by myself. This one, this one is good. And let me tell you why, because I have been trying so hard. I mean, really working toward building a soft life. As our guest Tony J. Collier today says, she says, I want to live a life on offense. That's a soft life, not going hard, not something to prove resilience, not something to prove anything at all. It's a soft life where you're just focusing on your daily rhythms that fit you. Because I'm just tired of this life lived trying to prove something, you know, because it never ends. There's always something else, some new finish line to get to. And as I get older, I want less focus on where I'm finishing in the race and more focus on how I'm running it. Am I noticing who's around me? Am I spending time with people or am I so focused on being the first to finish? This interview with Tony, honestly, all of my interviews with Tony are some of my favorite because she always shows up exactly how she is. What I mean is she only tries to be herself. The soft life is in not trying to live a life being who anyone else wants you to be, but really just paying attention to who you are and who Jesus is calling you to be in spite of expectations and circumstances. Can you hold loosely what each day brings and throws at you? And can you instead focus on who you are in the midst of what each day brings and throws at you? It's not easy. Truthfully, it's not. I get it. Nothing about it is easy, but it's possible And the more we focus on learning our own rhythms, instead of trying to match the rhythms of everyone else, the more we'll learn what it means to walk steadily and humbly, only seeking to please our creator, instead of just chasing everything we're trying to create. So here's my conversation with Tony J. Collier. You've got a lot going on. I mean, yeah, there's... (laughs) 
you've got a new baby who's how old is he now? What, like three months? Four? Yep, that's correct. You go and let's just for a moment, just a moment here, Tony. You (laughs) hit the ground running. You popped out this baby. The ground hit me. Let's be honest. Okay, in the face. You said, I'm going to have a baby, but you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to launch a podcast. I'm going to release a book. I'm going to finish my degree and I'm still going to raise my other kid. And oh, and I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to do that too. So I somebody's suffering. I don't know who yet because it hasn't manifested, but somebody is suffering. Listen, someone was just like, it'll come out in therapy and give it five years. And then someone's going to, it's going to come out. Like, remember that time you were launching a book? I'm like, "Mm -hmm, thank you. Okay. Thanks. And so, and you're traveling all over. I mean, and this is just, I, first of all, you're one of my favorite interviews. I always just get so excited because it's one of the easiest I do it's like that's why everyone's like we're just talking yeah everyone's like sign me up for an interview with Tony but the very first one we had I think broken crayons was honestly like just getting momentum you Uh were just starting to roll with it y'all were doing a church plant and from then to now which was what like a year maybe a year and a half around in there yeah Mm -hmm. yep 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 but broken crayons takes off so you're like okay I've got a vision for this I'm going. We're also planting a church and then shifted, right? Like disconnected yep. from Hillsong and said, you know what? We're going to change the story of the church the, mm. that we're planning and we're going a different direction. And and then Broken Crowns and the book. Just recap a little, Tony. I don't even think I'm covering it all. On top of little Sammy. <coughs> little Sammy coming on the scene. like <laughs> All the things. Okay. Broken Crowns, man. Truly, I mean, I didn't think it was going to grow as fast as it did. We just made three years. And on, for our third birthday, we gave ourselves rest, which is really cool. So we took a, a two-month sabbatical just to like be instead of do you know yeah but before that we had hit 20,000 followers on Instagram three over 3,000 group members in our Facebook group we had launched two courses we had done two conferences we launched a devotional working on another devotional now and a new course I mean so many things and it's been great and I and in this season it's interesting because the Lord is calling us to less we've Mm -hmm. kind of been in the discovery season as an organization is what are we really good at? Like, what's our one thing? And so now we get the opportunity to start to refine all the things that we've done and do less for more women. With the church, it's been awesome to support my husband with that. That's kind of his baby. I get to come alongside him as a teaching pastor every month. And I also get to just support him and all that he's doing behind the scenes. I kind of feel like a consultant. He calls me his most trusted advisor. When we originally thought about planning a church, it was going to be called Story Church, just this church that we were going to have in Atlanta. And we really wanted a covering. We wanted to make sure that we, you know, partnered with another church or pre-established ministry, have some sort of covering and accountability. And Hillsong quite literally stumbled in our laps. We'd never met them before. We'd never done anything with Hillsong. And so we we decided to join. And six days after they announced us, all the scandal came out. And we're like, okay, what the freak just happened? Like, we got on this roller coaster and it's not fun. It's not fun and it dropped real quick. And so we just met with them and it wasn't crazy. It was super cordial. It was just like, Hey, this isn't what we signed up for. Like we wanted to build this church. We've always had this church in mind, story church. And you know, we, we went this direction with Hillsong and this just wasn't what we signed up for. We want to build a church. We want to give the church a small baby startup, a chance to breathe. And the oxygen got sucked out by all of the things that came with, 
saying yes to Hillsong. And so they have been so kind and so supportive. We're like, hey, we get that. We, we didn't want this for you either, you know? Yeah. We don't want this for us. And so we transitioned out. And now, you know, I've got an opportunity to write this book over the last two years, focus in on a salvation tour that I went on, wrap up my seminary degree. Now I'm getting trained for crisis intervention and suicide mm -hmm. prevention. And I'm just, you know, growing, man, yeah. growing with the ministries out here. So now I got these two whippersnappers on the road. <laughs> You're traveling kids. with your kids, which absolutely, I'm just like, hey, let's, this is hard. Let's make it a little yeah. bit harder, you know? Yeah. Like, let's, <laughs> yeah. Let's well, you know, it. the whole idea was this, like my daughter, you know, she's had some behavioral challenges with school and I just, you know, I want them to have an integrated life. Like we don't, ha I don't have to separate all that I'm called to do and like not include my family. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, God, there has to be some way to include the family. And so we have an incredible nanny that travels with me and it's just been, it's been beautiful. It's been super hard, but I got to tell you this, like waking up in a hotel bedroom, like not by myself is really, really cool. And actually it holds me accountable to so many things. You know, I'm a little crazy. Okay. You never know. Okay. I can't be out here on the road drinking, popping, twerking with a double life. Cause guess who's going to be staring at me in my face? Okay. My small child. Those four Mommy, eyes. Always up. on you. It's Always time on to you. go. <laughs> Mommy, wake up. When okay. you're making all these decisions, Tony, I just, what I can't get over is the discernment to know the direction to go is mm. because you also, uh, you strike me just as someone who has a lot of ideas. Like you have no, mm. there's no shortage of ideas. Even making the decision with broken crayons, that's a scary mm. decision to be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rest. We're going hard yeah. and we're seeing exponential growth and we are seeing yeah. incredible things happen on behalf of lives of women. Yeah. And to be able as the leader to make the call, hey, you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to rest. We're going to, you know, we're going to give ourselves a, a yeah. breath and we're going to trust that on the other side of that, there's still yeah. growth, there's still momentum. How do yeah. you... Just walk me through how you know direction because we all want to be like That's really good. the voice of God, like just strikes us down and we know this is exactly what to do. Yeah. And it's just not that clear. Even with the church, 100%. for you, you and Sam to be like, hey, we're using wisdom and discernment here. We're going a different direction. Just talk us through that that point of discernment of just knowing a yeah. direction and being confident in it and walking steadily and faithfully. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said it's not just a simple thing. Like it's not like... The Lord sends a little stork or something to send you a small that'd message. That'd be real you know? nice, though. That's you know, like, can you just, like, drop a little note on my doorstep? God, that'd be a right. lot. It would be great if we could Amazon Prime some, some words from the right? Lord. You know yes. what I'm saying? And, but, but what is very simple is knowing that God wants to lead us and direct us and that he does have our steps ordered and he has this perfect will that he wants us to align with. And there's also this permissive will, this like, hey, you can do what you want. I'm going to try to protect you in it, but just know that I've got something for you. And so I think knowing that helps me to do two things. It helps me to stay in continual relationship with God. And that doesn't look the same in every season because God dang it, when you got this small three-month-old waking up in the morning, it's like, well, there goes quiet time. Yes. <laughs> but in the mornings, one of the things that I make sure that I do as I wake up, I hold my hands out and I say, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Take control over my life because you're better at it. And so when I do that, I think what's really fueling the discernment is presence, is withness, as Dr. Kurt Thompson calls it. And when God is with you and you are with him, when you're close, you can discern things. You can feel things out. 
I think the second thing is I'm not always very quick to discern things. Sometimes, you know, I don't catch it on the forefront. Sometimes I'm in the moment and I'm like, I'm making this shift. I can feel God right now. This isn't adding up. I'm supposed to be living the soft life out here. This is way too hard. I don't think this is God. Let's shift. And that's what happened with broken crayons. Like, mm -hmm. We did not plan this sabbatical out last year, six months before it happened. No, I was feeling some a rub. I was feeling a tension. I was like, it doesn't feel like we've landed on what we actually should be doing. Mm. You know what? Let's stop. I think about my life like, you know, when you're on the highway and you need it, like your exit's coming up really quickly. My mom and dad have always told me, slow down. Don't try to rush to the exit. Just slow down so that you can get over safely you'll be fine. That's kind of how I view my life. Like if stuff ain't feeling right, shut it down, mm -hmm. slow down and go to the cross and hear from God. Mm -hmm. Like just wait, stop. Don't, you know, I've lived this life of like flying the plane while building it. I'm done with that. Uh, -uh. Land the freaking plane. Mm -hmm. All right. We got some parts missing here. Let's figure it out. It's okay. If, if we lose time, whatever. And you know, what's crazy. We've grown 500 followers. Mm -hmm since being on sabbatical doing nothing yeah nothing at all and we're so worried about scarcity oh if i stop doing this mm -hmm. oh if i stop doing that. whatever god's hand is on your life mm -hmm. <laughs> so just chill and you'll just do the rest 500 followers were you yeah. i mean you see that and you see that that difference between living under you said scarcity and living under abundance and believing that yep. there is an abundant life that's promised yep. in scripture but yeah. when you did, okay, I know you just relaunched Broken Crayons after the huh? sabbatical. Were yeah. you, was there any part of you that was like a little bit nervous of, what do you do when that fear is there? Because what I've learned over the summer is there's like, a lot of times we can treat obedience kind of transactionally of like, yep. hey, I'm going to do what I know I'm called to do right now. Now you show up and do what I want you to do, God. Like you, you know, like I'm do this, you do this. And this is how it should look yep. like. Did you struggle at all with that? Like when it didn't. Did you have an idea of it's supposed to look like this and then it didn't look like this? Or mm. in, in the season you've walked through, well, that is, has been so That's busy good. and fruitful and abundant. Was yeah. there any part of you that was like, I kind of thought it'd be different or I thought it would look like this. Sure. What do you do in those seasons when you're like, dang, I just really, <laughs> I really wanted something else here, God. And this is not what I thought it would look like. Yeah. I write about this in my new book a little bit because we, we all have grievings and longings. Right. Like we, I mean, I mean, we can grieve just the smallest things. I could grieve that my parents' pants didn't fit the other day. You know what I'm saying? Cause I got this fupa from a goddamn new little baby. I feel, I you know, like, I still think that goes back outfit. to Eve. Like I truly think it's We're, part of the curse of like, <laughs> God dog at that bottom belly. Just a We got to try to bounce back. We got to tuck that thing just in. Flapping <laughs> out. And, and I'm like, you know, even from the smallest things to the biggest things. And I think we have pushed grief aside because it's it's a really icky feeling that if we're just going to be honest but grief is normal because we live in a fallen broken world and so when i've started to invite grief into my life more and started to name the things that i'm grieving name the things that i'm longing i i get more comfortable with it and here's the truth of freaking course i grieved some things with broken mm. crayons i wanted to keep things as is change is really difficult for me i i want stability especially with a lot of trauma and pain in my past like like new things change like all that that's too it's i hate it mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i grieved some things but on the other side of grief right and we've seen this with jesus on the cross 
on the other side of grief is resurrection mm. is longings being fulfilled because now we can name the thing that we're sad about losing. And then we can also name the things that we want in its place. Mm. And, you know, resurrection serves no purpose. It has no power without death, without Saturday, without, you know, the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And so some things have to die and we can feel the freedom to grieve those things so that when new life comes, we can tend to that new life. And I just believe that with broken crayons, but yeah, freaking right. It sucked. Mm. It's like, well, dang it. I built all this stuff and it's not working. And I've empowered all these people. I've poured into all these women. Like, was it in vain? And God said, oh, sweet girl, nothing is wasted. Mm. Gosh, mm. I've got redemption waiting for you, restoration waiting for you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it better. Mm. Just grieve. And that's okay. Was any part of you nervous to go to your team with that and say, oh. you know, like I've rallied all y'all. Y'all are like full throttle behind me. And yep. you know what? We're going to pause. We're going to stop. Like, was We're any part of you stop. like, Oh gosh, I don't. Oh, hundred percent. It was harder to tell the team than it was to tell the public. The public already listen. We we gonna do how, what the Lord leads us to do. And the fear that I think, the deeply rooted fear that I had with my team is, am I gonna lose trust as a leader? And you know what? I mean, resounding across the board, it was, oh man, like I'm sorry, like this sucks. And some people were like, man, is there something that we could have done to help you better? Da da da. But resounding across the board was Tony we've always trusted you to follow God we know that you are a three on the Enneagram you want to achieve you if it were up to your flesh you would keep going Mm -hmm. but we know that because you follow you're following God first that you're willing to even lay it down so heck yeah Mm -hmm. we're gonna lay it down with you and we're gonna trust God in this and that was probably the most healing thing and affirming thing that I had ever experienced because I didn't want to lay it down. My flesh is like run, yeah, go tackle, persevere, grit your teeth, like bloody knuckled, kind of keep it moving. And so to hear that they were like, this is a testament to your growth and to your trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, wow. What a team and what a savior, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to get into this a little bit later, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it in now. When you're, when you're like building something, especially when you're the leader of it, right? Like it starts with just you and then you slowly bring people on and you see God bless it and you see this growth. It's so, it is so hard and it's so easy Mm -hmm. for it to become an idol in your life. And, and you saying like, I know even as an Enneagram three, like you said, I think they're the quickest to build idols. Like my wing is. A oh dream, yeah. Right. So like these, oh, yeah. the, the, the idols get built real fast before you even realize it. Right. And, and the point I wonder is for you, how you keep yourself in check on that, like how you step mm. back, because that takes just a, a really like communion with the Holy spirit to check yourself yeah. on something that in my world standards, this yeah. is successful and great. And it's doing good stuff. Like yep. ministry, it was ministry. Like people were changing, people were getting healed. They were coming closer with Jesus. Yeah. And for you to be like, so this can only be good, right? Like it can only yep. be the right thing. It takes some real in tune with what the Holy Spirit is asking of you. So yep. are there daily practices? Are there anything that you do to check yourself mm. in those moments to say, okay, God, is this becoming an idol in my life right now? And and this can be with anything. Like I like any of us are yeah. prone to it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right in saying you know about the threes. We we love to idolize some things, and the truth is, like, 
our idols are really just numbing agents to Mm -hmm. something deeper. The reason why I create idols in my life, the the reason why I'm susceptible to that is because there's something deep in me, a lie that I believed over time that says that God is, will not protect me and that I have to go after everything. I have to create money, streams of income, scalability, monetization, Mm -hmm. organizations, all the things, community around me, even with friendships, because at the end of the day, God's not going to protect me. I have to build it all because I'm the one that's going to protect myself. Mm So when I build idols, I'm really just numbing that lie. What I have to do is replace it with the truth that says God has created everything, has cared for everything. If he cares for the smallest little animals in the world, he will care for me. Mm -hmm. And with that, I I think it challenges us to live a life on the offense, not the defense. I I talk about this all the time because... When we decide to live a life life on the offense, what that looks like when it comes to idols is that my radars are always up. Mm-hmm. Wait, what am I running to? When I feel really deep pain, when I feel discomfort, when I feel deep sorrow, what am I filling that space with? Do I make a pit stop at the feet of Jesus or am I just going as quickly as I can to something else that gives me life? Whether it's an old fashioned mm-hmm. or Netflix movie or shopping, that's a big one for me. I could just be scrolling and shopping all the way. What am I doing when I feel negative feelings? Who am I going to? And that to me, if again, I I go back to what I say in the mornings, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Take control of my life because you're just better at it. I have to say that every single day Mm -hmm. because let me miss a couple days. And what's going to happen is I'm going to take my hands that are usually out accepting and receiving God. I'm going to close them up really, really tight in a fist. I'm going to put them around my body to protect myself. And then I'm going to start operating with idols. Mm -hmm. So living an open life, being preventative on the offense, not the defense, I think helps us so much with idols. So much. Because they do, they blindside you. They come out of nowhere. And you're like, this is, I was like, oh, well, dang it. This is good stuff. And I'll never forget someone saying to me like, hey, I, I recently had to walk away from like 15 years at one place because it had become an idol without me realizing. Right. And Mm. I was explaining it, you know, going from person to person, explaining the the decision. And he said, uh, I said, I, I don't want to do this. Like if I couldn't a second, I'd go back. He was like, well, idols aren't something you hate. I mean, you love them. Like you, of course you don't want to let them go. And I think in scripture, we only think about like what the golden calf and all this stuff. That's like super obvious. It's like, well, yeah, we should hate that. That's easy to know that that's something we shouldn't run to or worship. (laughs) Yeah, like a bunch of dummies. What are you doing, Israelites? Come, I would never do that. And then here I am, Uh like, at the feet of a job that, yeah, I loved, Mm. but it just took me so long to see it. And so that's why I love to hear how you're doing something good, but that doesn't mean it's the only thing for you. It's the best thing for you to be able to hold it with such open hands. And yeah, it's just, listen, it's... It's hard. I'm like, this should, shouldn't this be easier? Like, why is this? Like, what is happening? <laughs> yes. I know. As I know. you're, you're traveling a ton right now, right? So yeah. like you are, I feel like every uh-huh. time I see your story, you are somewhere else. But the correct. beautiful part of it is you're just, you're opening doors for women to share mm. their brokenness. When we can tell our stories, yeah. someone else can find themselves in it and be like, oh, mm-hmm. dang, that was me too. Like I thought, oh, dang. right. Like I thought I was by myself in this, but 
But yep. as you've learned and heard so many stories, I wonder what you see about how we all navigate brokenness. What are some mm-hmm. of the patterns that you're seeing that you're like, hey, we got to break this, guys. We got to get, this is how we we navigate and get through this. Yep, 100%. So this is quite honestly what my, my, my new yeah. book, Brave Enough to be Broken, is all about. You know, we're, we're talking about, so, so the subtitle of the book is, you know, how to embrace pain and discover hope and healing. And I think the number one thing that keeps us from really defeating brokenness, number one is our bravery. And then number two is our willingness to press into pain, to embrace pain. The title brave enough to be broken is almost like an oxymoron. You know, it's just like, what are you talking like how, okay, you have to be brave to be broken. And I'm like, absolutely you do. Okay. Because it doesn't take a lot of courage to be perfect, right? You bopping around here. You got your eyebrows looking like sisters, not yes. cousins. Yeah. You got filters on you are you know showing up as your best self that doesn't take any courage what that is like the the easiest thing that we could do is just pretend that everything is perfect Mm. what's hard is to say i'm battling with this i've got this addiction my marriage is falling apart i've got this deeply rooted lie in me that i just cannot defeat Mm. i've been striving not thriving like and and wondering if people will be with you in it because it, it's oftentimes not even the grief that comes with the healing process. It's being alone in the grief that we're afraid of. And so sometimes we have to be brave enough to put all of our stuff out there and choose to surrender our brokenness. I mean, it's, I told we talked about this before on the podcast, but it's what Paul says, like, therefore I will boast all the more gladly so that Christ's power will rest on me. Mm-hmm. The second thing is embracing pain. Well, well, who wants to do that? No, thank you. you. Know I'm, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> I would like, it's going to be a no. It's going to be a hard no. But I said this earlier, the resurrection doesn't happen without death, without our ability to sit and lull in the painful places. And Jesus modeled that. Jesus could have just come and had an Oprah moment and passed out freedom to mm-hmm. everybody. But he didn't. He endured pain. He endured death so that we would understand that in this life of sin, we would also have to endure pain. We would also have to have some things that die in us, in our Mm -hmm. human flesh, in order for us to get on the other side of redemption and freedom and hope and true healing. And, you know, unfortunately, a big barrier to that has been the church. Mm -hmm. We have just raised up a whole bunch of holy people. And that's awesome. But these are holy people that aren't whole, mm-hmm. right? These are holy people that can spit out a scripture, but they just mean out here, just mm-hmm. flat up and down rude. And maybe not even because they want to be, but because they haven't done their work mm-hmm. and they're carrying around big baggage, harboring bitterness and anger. And I just, I, I have a lot of hope in this, you know, generation of the church, because I feel like we're just like, mm-hmm. we're not about to do this. We're not hiding. No Listen, more. they'll call some things out. This next generation is Ready? like, I'm not here to play anymore. I yeah, well, like- they're a little cocky too. <laughs> they're a little prideful. Okay. Cause it's like, wait, 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 don't, don't forget about your own little ratchet. Give mess, me a second. Okay? You got something too. You got something you got too. Stuff too. But I love the honesty and vulnerability that we're leading out with in this generation because it. I mean, it's, it's like, it just has Jesus written all over it if done in a loving way. Mm -hmm. It's like, bring your stuff, bring your stuff, like come up to the communities and the churches and bring all your stuff, Mm -hmm. all of you. That's how they did church first, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just, I love that you brought that up because that is something that I have been so burdened for lately, Yeah, probably over the past like year or two. And I wonder if you've noticed it just about how it seems like brokenness instead of drawing people to the church especially this next generation it feels like it's resulting in many walking away yeah 
from the church or from a Jesus centered community, you know, where where maybe, maybe what is broken happened within the church or happened within a community like that. And so I'm curious what your words would be to those who feel like their hurt is just too big to walk back into one of those Jesus centered communities or a local church. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I love these questions. I literally talk about church hurt in my book because it's a major part of my story. Mm -hmm. And and it just sucks like freak. It's like one of the worst pains and it's not for us to fall into the pain comparison trap, but to have a new fragile faith. Like I had getting saved at 21, going into a church, volunteering in the youth. It was the awe and wonder of, of like knowing God yeah. and it was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And that sucks to have to put one foot into believing in this big, great God that that can save, but simultaneously be worshiping a pastor and not a savior. Mm. And that's what I was doing. And I had to take responsibility of that. What sucks about it, however, is that I was allowed to do that because that's what the pastor wanted. He, I mean, he said things like, your purpose is connected to me. Mm. And if you left, you may miss it. It was just like, oh, that's so hard. That sounds like Jesus, buddy pal. You know, it sucked. I was on staff working 60, 70 hours a week, getting paid so, so little that I was on WIC and food stamps and financial assistance from the church that I worked at. Mm -hmm. And I was so naive in that. So when I left that church, I was like, peace, like peace to this Christian thing, peace to all, all this stuff. When I went on my healing journey is when I recognized, oh, freak, like, Really, the reason why I was worshiping a pastor, not a savior, is because I had this deeply rooted wound that needed a physical man to be everything for me, mm-hmm. to be my Holy Spirit, to be my God. And that's on me. I, I had to change that. When I realized that and got into a healthy church and a healthy community, and it, all churches have its brokenness, whatever, um, but a church that pointed me to the throne and not to a man-made altar... Oh man, I was like, well, this is how you do it. Yeah. This is it. And it changed my relationship with God. I went from a fan of Jesus to a follower. And that's on me. And so I would just encourage anyone out there to heck, take a break from church if you need to. You ain't got to be in four walls, mm-hmm. one to get to heaven, period, <laughs> but also to have a deep, deeply rooted relationship with Jesus. Jesus is outside in your backyard and at your dinner table and in your kids' rooms with all those freaking Legos. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. And so get your relationship with God, right? And from the overflow of that, you can be a part of a, a healthy mm-hmm. church. When you walked back into the church for some of those first times, Tony, mm-hmm. was it hard not to have a critical spirit? Well, it's like any relationship. When I got into my new marriage, I was like, okay, now wait a minute. Are you going to leave me? Are you going to abandon me? Are you going to curse me out? Like I've I've already been through all of that. Like, mm-hmm. And so... You're, you take you with you, all your baggage, all your mess, all your little stuff. The key isn't to just leave your past into a new situation. The key is to be able to heal your past, carry it into a new situation so that you are able to have healthy boundaries, so that you're able to communicate your needs on the forefront. If I was healthy, you know, if we're going to be honest, we're going to be, just be 100% real. If I was healthy when I was dating my husband now, Sam, there would have been moments where I said, hey, like, I, I have some insecurity here. Here's what that means. Like, 
if you know if we're going to be traveling it'd be really great if we like put a you know some barriers around travel time maybe we're not apart you know for longer than three days two nights but i didn't know that so he would leave and then now here i am got this abandonment wound and i'm like where are you at where are you going and i'm hounding him you know mm-hmm. it's not to say that i'm going to pretend to be perfect it's to say that i'm going to be able to communicate my needs be honest about my brokenness and I'm going to have boundaries that can protect me because of everything that I've been through. I have to do the same thing with the church. I don't have to, I can choose to trust first if I want to, but I can also choose to understand that there are behaviors that I can contribute to this new church situation that can be bad. Mm-hmm. And there are also behaviors of humans. So number one, don't put your pastor on a pedestal, the same pedestal you're going to want to knock his his behind off of mm-hmm. when you Like I had to come into that with those things. And if I would have left all that in the past, I probably would have done it again. Mm. Right. And so I'm glad that I brought that to the table so that I could actually, you know, be better and be informed. That I'm just, I can think of two conversations that come to mind that it was really hard. There was one, we were doing an event that was outside of the church and this girl came up to me and it was at a coffee house and she was like, I just, I'm really grateful for this because I don't feel like I can walk into a church right now, but I can walk into something like this. And that was the first time I'd heard it. But then I heard it multiple times after that, Tony. And so that's where I'm Mm. like, okay, where, and I know you've, you've heard the same stories. Where does healing start for this generation that does feel hurt for you? Like, how did you, cause you know, once that bitterness takes root, it is really hard to pull it out. What were some of your first steps of healing? Was it, okay, turning the question on you, like, why do I feel this way? Or was it talking to someone? Okay, I'm going to give some practical, but I'm also going to give one just like maybe philosophical type thing. Mm -hmm. Healing starts inward, not outward. Oftentimes, when we get hurt by someone, an institution, a person, an organization, a job, we, we want to heal the situation or them. Mm-hmm. We point the finger. We're like, you should have done better. You should have done this, et cetera, et cetera. When really, and I posted this and it got so much flack on Instagram. I was like, healing is your responsibility. Like, don't give someone a situation, the a power over you to be the start and end to your healing journey. That's yours. Mm-hmm. You get that. You get to have that. You get to take full ownership over your own personal healing. It's not to say that, they're not wrong. It's not to say that you have to just forgive them and and just push out of the way. But it is to say that healing starts with you and your desire to be a whole person. Because when you heal, everything around you starts to heal. Your communities, Mm -hmm. all the things. Like when I decided like me, Tony Collier, I want to heal. I want to live a better life. You know, a couple of things that happened. Here's the practical. I had conversations with people who were toxic. My own father. I was like, you can't curse me out anymore. We cannot talk to each other like this. All the yelling, screaming. It's almost like, you know, going to a gym and working out. And then you're like, okay, I don't want to eat too many donuts because I don't want to mess up what started to heal Mm -hmm. out here. Right? Like I want to eat a little healthy so I can kind of come alongside the work. Mm. That starts to happen. You start to look at your community. I talk about this in the book, transitioning toxic community, having you know healthy circles and knowing where people are in those circles at different levels, going to counseling, which I'm talking about. I needed help. I needed mm. someone to come alongside me that knew what to do to get there. This is why it's so, so for me when writing this book, it was like this roadmap to healing. It's like, yeah. let me, I'm not an expert. 
I never claimed to be an expert. I have some certifications, but I'm not a licensed counselor. What I want to do is come alongside people and say, go here, go do this, go talk to that licensed person, do this, transition this toxic community, build a real relationship with Jesus so that you have something to lean on, a foundation to have. Those are all the, some of the some of the things that I've done, practicing gratitude, all the things to start living a more full and whole life holistically. Mm, that's so, mm. Even the part about removing something, like we think it's all about adding in oh, and yeah, we just yeah, yeah. got to add some stuff and you're like, no, let's flip it around. What has to go? Like some, there are yeah. people and relationships and places and circumstances that have to go that you can't yeah. be a part of anymore to walk toward healing. What would... Were those covered? This mm. is just a random question. Were those conversations a little bit scary? Like, you know, like even like sitting across from your dad and being like, nope, like we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Sorry. Removing that toxic community, yeah. I'm sure was a little bit like, do I really have to do this right now? Yep. Some of it was good. Some of it was not. Let me just tell you that the conversations. So my go-to is detachment. It's just like, I'm just not going to respond. I'm not going to talk at all. Wrong way to go, fam. Okay. Yep. There were people that I just completely cut off and they were like, where were you at? Mm -hmm. Like, what's happening here? And I was just like, bye. You know, like, and, and that just wasn't the right way to go. You know, I needed to be, be a big girl and have some really hard conversations and honor people in that. For the conversations that I did have, yes, I'm very conflict diverse. I don't want to talk about the hard things. Mm -hmm. Life is already super hard. Sitting across from my dad and telling him, hey, I'm putting a boundary up. Either we have to learn how to talk to each other in more kind ways or we don't, we're not going to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm with you. I want to heal. I want to be better for my daughter. And, and you are really agitating that. And what's crazy is my dad changed. That's not the story for everybody else. Don't even yeah. go into the comparison world, but my dad changed. I cannot remember a time after that where he raised his voice at me. Mm -hmm. Like there were times where he finally prayed for me finally told me he loved me. Like our whole relationship got restored and redeemed in such a beautiful way. That came with a hard conversation and boundaries around it. Mm -hmm. We would not have gotten there if I would not have conjured up the bravery to have that really hard combo, you know? Yeah, it's it's exactly what you said. Healing overflows. So, I mean, you even talked about it. When you're mm. focusing on healing for you, how it overflowed yep. into how you were a parent, how you're parenting, how you yep. how you led a team, how you did yep. all of that. And one of the, the last things I want to touch on here is you made a statement. Uh, speaking of statements you've made on Instagram, it was a post that I stuck with. I kept coming back to it. You talked oh. about putting down resilience and picking up rest. Oh, and yeah. that sometimes when you're just trying to prove something and you're trying to be like, let me show you what I can do. And I think especially mm -hmm. as moms a little bit, oh. like when you're called, I think there are some women who are called to be like, hey, I want to be a mom and a mm -hmm. wife, but I also, I want to work. I find joy in working and being in a workplace with other people. And you're like, okay, I got to prove I got to prove something here. I'm carrying really mm -hmm. heavy and hard things, but I'm going to pretend like I'm not. Like you said, we're going to act like it's real easy to act like everything's on yeah. and, and good. And we go so far in that other direction of let me show you how good I can be at this. Yeah. How did you get to putting down resilience and picking up rest? How mm. do you live that now? Well, let me say that. Let me say this. I have not arrived in that. Mm. As a matter of fact, about 30 minutes before this call, I had a counseling session about this. Mm. My natural bend and it's it's my natural bend is to be resilient, is to have grit, is to just run through a freaking wall. Yep. And there's a part of me, the little girl Tony, 
that recognizes this because that's what I used to cope in the past. That's what I used to survive. It was life is so overwhelming. Let me escape all that's happening at home and let me go and do a hundred million things to, to consume my time, to consume my brain, to consume my heart. Mm -hmm. And so now when hard times come, I go into overdrive. I naturally go into, all right, I'm going to do a whole bunch of things. I'm going to fill my schedule up. Mm -hmm. One, I have to go to counseling so that I can tend to that part of me. And because, I mean, it, and it's cyclical for me. So when you start to, our counselor says, when you start to experience things cyclically, then that means there's probably some trauma there, something that you need to work out mm -hmm. emotionally, psychologically. And so I tend to those parts of me. And I would say after that, I almost schedule in a replenishment cycle of rest so that it doesn't, I don't like stumble upon needing to rest. I don't sure. stumble upon mm -hmm. my body shutting down. Life on the offense, not the defense. Hello, mm -hmm. somebody. So for me, what that looks like before I had our second kid, it was scheduling every single quarter, four days of just complete rest. I either go somewhere or I'm at the house. No one look at, no, no, no one like make eye contact. That's changing right now. You know, it's hard to go away with a little infant. So Sammy, go sit over there. Don't come over here, Sammy. Don't I know. look at don't me. Don't need to <laughs> Three eat month or old. be changed. Don't ask for anything. <laughs> don't ask for anything, but you can't talk. What that looks like now is pulling up my calendar, looking at all the things that I have going on. And then from that space, pinpointing the days of rest. Mm -hmm. And, and doing that, like doing it like a to-do list. And then I think it's just a posture, man. Yeah. Like, I want the soft life. Like, I just, I, I be joking, but I'm like, I don't want no more testimonies, okay? I'm not trying to turn no more mess into miracles, okay? I've written that the book. Get. I've done my part. It's enough. It's enough. It, it, it's, okay, the soft life is calling my name, okay? Mm -hmm. But I think it wasn't always that. Mm -hmm. I think I, I prided myself on struggling on being an overcomer and now I think in this season of my life I'm like I want to experience Eden mm. I want to experience the thing that we were made for deep shalom peace with God mm -hmm. and so when you have a posture of that you look for that in the world mm -hmm. how can I create peace in my life how can I create rest in my life and that's a really that's a new thing that I'm discovering in myself mm -hmm. Mm. and it's such a sweet period too to do that alongside your family. I mean, yeah. to just like, it, it's, you have a different posture, even walking into the personal. I mean, we've talked so much about like the professional side, but a lot of time it's the professional side that causes the damage to the mm. personal side. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. to have those, that intentionality and to be like, I'm going to look at my calendar and the personal is actually going to dictate mm. what the professional looks like. And living yeah. on the offense is just that whole mentality. I've just never heard it put that way, but like we do, we're on the defense yeah. all the time. Like we're always trying all to like time. adjust and catch up. And so I love the idea of, you know, we're going to flip that around a little bit. And a big part of that is in brave enough to be broken. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't hold anything back in this book. Like you're just like, I'm going to lay it all out for you all. I'm going to tell you that testimony that you said you don't want any more of. You're like, yep. let me tell you why, because here's the road that got me here, right? And you you get straight to those unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I know you've mentioned them a couple times, but just practically real quick for people. Yeah. How do you see those in your life? How do you notice them and be like, dang, like, I, you know, like you said, what do I do when I'm mad or when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm angry? How do I turn off? Like, how do you practically identify those and then start flipping the script on how you're living your life in that defensive mode? Oh, that's really good. 
You know, I think one of the most important things that we can do is expose our lives to the light and to community. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I, I'm in this group right now called a confessional community. We've been together for about a year and a half and it is powerful. It is powerful because when you start to access wholeness for yourself, right? Like we start talking about healing internally, when you go and get the help that you need, when you show up in community, you're able to verbally process some of those things. My confessional community, my group of women that we meet every single month for three hours, we get together in person as often as we can. When I'm able to communicate to them my deep lies, the things that hold me back, the brokenness that I have, when I start to slip into those old patterns, they notice it Mm -hmm. and they can speak into it. And what a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. to have people who know you deeply, who can say, hey, some of the verbiage that you're using, I see you're running a lot. Like, is everything okay? Are some of those old lies coming back up in your story? Mm -hmm. Powerful to be able to have community in your life who can call those things out in you. I would say that's like the biggest one. And then, you know, we talk about, I have this strategy in the book called 741, where we talk about seven minutes a day four days a week, and then one day of reflection with God. What does it look like for you to go to God and to just simply ask for God to illuminate your heart to the things that you're struggling with? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we won't even recognize, but our God knows us. I mean, God's sitting with us in our sorrows and he's bottling up every single tear. He knows us through and through, and he's able to illuminate and help us to discern some of the things that we're battling with. And so I talk about this in detail with like, how do you actually spend seven minutes, which is like nothing every for four days with God and then look back and reflect on what he's been trying to tell you in this season. Those are just like two big things. Community is so important, man. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, this community... It's probably, it's not like y'all went from zero to a hundred on sharing right. your hard stuff. Oh yeah. Some of us were like, is there a confidentiality? Agreement? Uh, yeah. Like we what are we saying? <laughs> it's like, Let I your just, hands open girls. Just that clarity of, Hey, for this, for that, to get to that kind of community, you have to show up for the, the for the awkward part of getting to know each other and like peeling that we- we have some friends that call it the strategy, a Crystal and Marquise Cox, they have this brand called More to Marriage. They call these types of tensions awkward, mechanical, natural. That with friendships, with relationships, with all with any place that you're deciding to go deep in, it's gonna have an awkward phase. Then it's gonna have a mechanical phase if you just keep showing up and trying and doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And then it'll slowly drift into this natural way of doing it in our marriages, in our friendships, in our therapy groups, all the things. And it's incredible. And it's so true. It's so accurate. And so it's just yeah. like, just because one, one awkward encounter, or maybe you were in a community and it was not great. It's like saying, I got a bad haircut, and I'm not going to go get any more haircuts, Correct. right? Like, mm-hmm. you got to you got to keep trying and you got to keep showing up. I'd never heard those three, those three stages. So that's yeah. great. Hey, Tony, I don't know if you remember, but we end every episode with one question. And that's what are you happy someone did tell you about? Last time you said platform converse and they that was a game Listen, changer. I literally am getting ready to order fall colors. I mean, I still feel like I need to say this. I mean, I just, it they changes, have changed. 
especially if you're short or you have short legs. Like what it changes what you can or even arthritis. wear. I have arthritis on my right foot, probably from all the twerking I was doing. Good little You went from I'm young and I wear platform converse, converse to arthritis, Tony, so fast. Well, yeah, here's what I'm saying. I'm like, hokas, <laughs> hokas are not the only shoes that are helping us old people. You know what I'm saying? Some hokas off on stage, Tony. I, Just like with Oh, that. are you kidding me? Yes. I don't listen. I don't care. You don't play with comfort. I'm I going like to that. be myself <laughs> yes. and live this soft life. I, if I, yeah, I'll roll up on stage and focus. No shame. No shame. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I love I'm it. I'm tired. Yep. I'm tired, y'all. I'm not about to, sh- I'm not trying to be cute for nobody. You need okay? to stop looking at my shoes and just be happy I made it here. Okay. Just Anyways, be happy I made it. <laughs> yeah. You need to stop looking at my shoes and look at Jesus <laughs> because that's what we're talking about. Just kidding. Okay. This is going to be, oh, I. I have to say it because it's the first thing that came to my mind and I'm just so upset about it. I'm going to say a, a funny a, one that's like real. It came to my mind and I'll maybe say a deep one. The Stanley cup has been amazing for me. Okay. The Stanley insulated. Yes. It's like a Yeti. And honest, I mean, it got me. How hydrated are you? How hydrated are you now? I am so hydrated. It's honestly crazy. And the truth is, it's probably not at all to do with this cup, but it's because everybody has one and I want to look cool. And so it I'm feels good it to I'm carry the cup. Day. Yes, it just does. Okay. Did you, I need I to just, know if you got a fun color. What color did you no, get? No, I didn't. In? No, I didn't. Because I keep seeing everybody with that little tan one. And I said, I'm going to get the tan one. I'm going to be a tan girl. Anyways. Okay. Initially, when you said Stanley Cup, I thought you were talking about, is that like a hockey? Initially, I thought, is she in I a hockey now? I is love that you're like, forget the trends. I love that you're like, forget it. I don't it know. It took what me you're too long to get there, Tony. It really And it did. doesn't matter. It and it doesn't even long. matter. We're going to have to send you one. The, the real good thing, though, I would say I've been meeting a lot. I've been meeting week, weekly with my counselor. I always amp up counseling when I have big seasons of release mm-hmm. or whatever. Boundaries for Your Soul by Dr. Allison Cook, let me just say. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I just need to tell the people this will be the book the audiobook, whatever, that you will say to your friends, I'm so glad Tony told me about this. I She has been on here twice. Mm. We just released one of her most recent, around the her book release, The Best of, Best of You. Of you. I just that know. book alone, Tony, when I mm. say, there's like a handful of books that I'm like, y'all, this changed my life. I feel like I am meeting with my own personal therapist. The secrets and 100%. like dark parts of my life, I start telling her on a podcast, like, it's just like, I mean, well, how do you do this business, to me, Allison? How do you do all your business out there? That's just how she is. I, I want to give someone who's like a skeptic and they're like, I don't even know what that is. It doesn't matter. Boundaries for your soul helps you to understand that we have souls and our souls have parts. It is why, you know, you have someone like me who says, oh my gosh, I really want to experience the soft life. I want deep rest. I want peace. But then for some reason, I'm like saying yes to everything and I'm burnt out. My there's parts of my soul that are warring. There's a part of my soul that's like, yes, I want Eden. I want to be with God, an integral part of me. And there's another part of me that says, well, if I don't do everything, if I don't say yes to everything, I won't have anything. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be poor. Mm-hmm. I won't like somebody won't be proud of me, et cetera, et cetera. Boundaries for your soul helps you to integrate those parts of you so that you can care for that part that's warring with the integral part. That's mm-hmm. like yes rest you need to be there for your family etc cetera, etc cetera. so what can we do what can we say to that part of tony that's like that's that's just striving on a little like a rat wheel just like on the rat race we can say hey god's got your back mm-hmm. you don't have to say yes to everything 
you can say no to some things and still be valuable and worthy. He yes. will protect you. And it's like, okay. You can take a breath. You can take a breath. Yeah. You can even say no to things when you're not sick. Mm-hmm. Cause I have this belief that like I have to get sick in order to say no. I have a little tickle in my throat. I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I feel that coming on right now. I can't do it. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. I, you got it. it is. It is so good. It is. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And speaking of, I would put brave enough to be broken in the same category because of Tony. I didn't realize what I was doing to hide the brokenness. I thought everything yeah. was good, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I can stay right here with you and everybody else. And, yeah. and I just didn't realize those coping mechanisms. I keep going back to them because it shifted my whole mindset yeah. of how I approach it. So before I let you go, yeah. where can we find it? You have so much going on now, Tony, and it is amazing and incredible. So yeah. just real quick, where can we find the podcast and order the book and, yeah. and all the great all things. things, the Instagram follow is worth it every time. I think I say that every time I have an interview with you, it's just so <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah. It's Tony J Collier on everything. T O N I J C O L L I E R. Everything's there. The book brave enough to be broken, how to embrace pain and discover hope and healing the podcast is called the still coloring podcast mm. because broken crayons still color uh, how about it go. how did it feel to launch a podcast tony i mean you were oh, meant so much fun. to do a you podcast know i you love know, it like you i love the whole thing how did we t- get so long everything. to get there is my thing like this season two is amazing let me just say that oh. and i'm gonna try not to tell any guests because <laughs> when does it, it release is- when's the next season coming december 12th oh it is oh yes very good. It's it is very very good. Well, I just the <laughs> one with Jackie Hill Perry alone in season oh, one my goodness. was like let me lay down to listen to this because I could I mean I couldn't I had to, just, I was trying to do it on a walk. She just slaps you in the face. I was like I got to sit down to take this in right now. I can't be doing anything. He just else. slaps you in the face and then just drags you a little behind to the, to the throne of Jesus <laughs> and like, thank you Jackie. Oh thank Tony, you. when I say you truly are, I love these conversations with you. Thanks so much. For, for I know you you are just you're stacked so thanks for fitting us in it's always a good time absolutely so grateful so grateful